0: Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Maybe you own a condominium, an HDB flat, and you want to think about how you're going to leave that property to the next generation. So, will you need a will, a family trust, or a life estate? Or maybe you're a foreigner and you want a best plan to protect your wealth, to pass it on to the next generation but you're not quite sure about the laws that pertain to property and you here in Singapore. Maybe you're single but you want to know, if I want to use my property as a hedge during uncertain times, what do I need to understand about property investment? Which types of properties have held their value, particularly during COVID? We're going to find out now with my two experts in Money and Me. First up, Dora Chung is General Manager at Guokoland. How are you, Dora? Hi. Good to have you with us this morning. Jacinta Pillay is partner at Simmong Tech & Partners. Hi, Jacinta. Good morning. Hi, good morning. All right, ladies. We're going to start with you, Dora. Uh, Help us understand how COVID-19 has really changed strategies for families who are looking to protect their wealth through property. Well,
1: most Asians already regard real estate as a means. Uh, for legacy planning, and many Asian parents actually hope to leave properties to their next generation. So for most buyers in Singapore, they are looking at uh, a longer-term investment in their properties to yield capital appreciation.
0: Okay. Uh, Are are you seeing more people look to freehold properties in particular? We know there are many different kinds of leases, right?
1: Mm, Yes. So for most uh, Singapore buyers, actually they are very well informed and aware that regardless of freehold or leasehold, uh, there are different kind of returns. Some leasehold properties are also actually yielding better returns uh, compared to freehold properties. So you have to look at uh, the property, its location, and the property's uh, merits. uh, uh, For example, like Um, Our duplex units at Midtown Bay, uh, the units can be used for a variety of usage, uh, whether for own stay, for multi-generation families, for home office or work from home, and also for investment purposes. Are you
0: seeing more people look at duplexes? Are they becoming more popular right now because, you know, people want more space in their homes?
1: Only because they want more space, is actually really the flexibility of uh, the space, how it can be used, uh, e- you know, with an easy conversion uh, that is actually very popular. You're
0: you talking about the dual key aspect of things? Mm,
1: whether dual key uh, or um, the conversion of one of the rooms easily into a as the expansion of the living space, for instance.
0: Okay, so flexibility within the kind of layouts of the house. Yes. That the, that's what people are looking for. And so when people are looking to preserve their wealth, they're still looking at the basics, the fundamentals of buying property location, um, looking beyond just the, the lease of, of whether it's freehold or not.
1: Yes. Yes. Basically, <clears throat> there are a few things that uh, we know with their uh, purchases now. Ne? Flexibility, which I mentioned earlier, yeah. the unit's configuration has to be quite flexible. Facilities, actually, during um, the mm. circuit breaker, I think many people realise that um, they re- the facilities uh, within their development actually helps. For example, uh, the concierge services. Um, the We have seen, actually, at, at Wallet Residence, the lobby lounge and the concierge actually uh, very... Often used because uh, they are looking for different spaces that they can work uh, from home yet out of the home.
0: Right, right, right. Yes. Um, I wonder if we can speak broadly whether oh. or not COVID has changed buying patterns. So you know, not just what's being offered by GocoLand like Wallach, but who's oh. buying, what's popular, which districts. Can Can you give us a sense um, of that?
1: Generally, uh, if if you have um. um followed through the sales uh, in the last two quarters, you have seen that um, across the board, um, sales have been quite healthy. Um, According to the numbers from URA, actually, uh, uh, prices of home, uh, private homes actually rebounded uh, from quarter on quarter, and the price increase actually was... uh, uh, led by non-landed core central region. These are actually more of the luxury developments, right, where prices rose 2.7%. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these, however, are sold, most of the the units, however, are sold in the outskirts, uh, although with encouraging numbers in the core central regions, mm-hmm. with Singaporeans being the core purchasers.
0: Okay. So Singaporeans core purchases, non-landed, so apartments in the central region. Ooh. And you're also seeing units move on the outskirts, outskirts, would you say? Yes. Um, this last month, I know the transactions were the highest sales volume. Yes. Since July 2018. Uh, the fifth consecutive month of increase in monthly sales since the circuit breaker in April. And this, you say again, is primarily fueled by Singaporeans versus yes. foreigners.
1: Yes. So, for example, in August, Hmm. Singaporeans account for more than 70% of the new home purchases. uh, And this is also happening in the core central region.
0: Mm -hmm. In, In the outlying areas, can you give us a sense of the popular districts? Um, Outlying, actually, we
1: see um, interest in most areas. So, uh, but these are mostly uh, brand new developments.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Right. Right. And what's what is your outlook for for the rest of twenty twenty?
1: I think if we are looking back uh, a little at uh, 2017 and 18, where the collective sales uh, actually generated $18 billion of liquidity in the market, uh, we actually noticed that it's less than half of this being redeployed back into the market. Uh, and uh, with the travel bans... Uh, most foreigners who are interested to view the developments before they buy mm. are unable to do so. So we, we feel that um, um, once the travel bans are lifted, uh, there may be um, a demand coming in. So there will be a healthy uh, sales, uh, we think, uh, moving forward.
0: For the rest of 2020?
1: Yes, at least.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about um, the topic today, which is how people can pass on their wealth. Jacinda, let's bring you into the conversation. Jacinda Pillay is partner at Sim Mong Tech and Partners. So, property inheritance laws may vary according to you know whether you're a foreigner, whether you're Singaporean, are you married, are you single. What do you think is most important uh, for people to understand about inheritance law? Maybe talk about a couple of key groups that inheritance law pertains to where there are some misunderstandings? Well,
2: okay, so maybe we can talk a little bit about foreigners, yeah? Mm -hmm. So, intestacy laws are basically um, laws which determine how your assets are to be distributed upon your demise if you don't have a will. So, if there are foreigners involved who own real estate in Singapore and they don't have a will in place, it becomes a little bit complicated because essentially when a person passes on... Uh, things don't just automatically, you know, get distributed to the next of kin. There has to be a process, and the process actually entails applying for a court order. So, if they have a will, and that applies across the board for everyone, right? So, if you have a will, you'll be applying for a court order called a grant of probate. And if you do not have a will, then you apply for a court order called grant of letters of administration. So, this process in itself is not entirely straightforward where where a person does not have a will. And for foreigners, it, there is an added complexity because there are additional documents that have to be filed and things like that. So um, before assets can be distributed to their beneficiaries of their choice or according to the law, there has to be this process which sometimes can stretch a couple of months depending on the complexity of the estate, of complexity of the assets that they own and things like that. So it's important to plan.
0: So if you're a foreigner, it's very important to think about putting together a will.
2: Definitely, especially if you have assets in Singapore and you want to make sure that upon demise, all these overseas investments that you have do not get stuck, right? So that's where the will comes in. Uh, Foreigners aside, even for locals, for Singaporeans, uh, it is very important to plan because ultimately the whole... Point of acquiring assets, mm. wealth acquisition, is to ensure mm. that there's a transition to your loved ones.
0: For yeah? sure, but pe- people, a lot of people think there are intestacy laws for that, so that'll automatically happen. Especially if I'm Singaporean, is that true? Y-
2: yeah, well, intestacy laws determine how your assets are to be distributed upon demise. Mm. So you don't exactly have a choice in terms of the distribution. So I'll give you an example: if a married couple, uh, no children, upon their demise, their assets will go fifty percent to the spouse and 50% to the surviving parents in equal shares. But that may not be the uh, ideal distribution method, right? They may mm-hmm. want to give everything to the surviving spouse, or they may want to give a portion to uh, nieces and nephews and things like that. So that's where intestacy laws doesn't really uh, apply. So it's important for you to plan, to look into your own specific uh, family situation and needs and then determine how you want your assets to be distributed upon demise. Because intestacy laws can only do so much and it doesn't tailor to everybody's specific family situation.
0: What do singles need to understand about inheritance law, intestacy laws?
2: Well, for singles, like I... Um, for singles... Uh, the distribution would be according to the intestacy laws based on mix of kin, right? So if, let's say, you are uh, single, you have no children, then everything goes to parents. Then if no parents, then it goes to your siblings and so on. So, again, this is something that has to be looked into carefully because we've done so many uh, wills for clients who are single. And a lot of times they have concerns like uh, maybe they want to provide for certain siblings who are in a particular uh, need, whereas you know some other siblings do not need their inheritance, but some siblings who are less well off may need that. They also want to provide for specific nephews or nieces, or even uh, charitable organizations. So these are usually the thoughts that a single person who has assets may have in mind. So mm-hmm. intestacy laws will definitely not um, basically uh, distribute according to your wishes. So that's where you really would need to stipulate how you want your specific assets to be distributed.
0: Really interesting. What do parents need to understand about buying a property and then putting it in a trust? What What are trusts for and what are the challenges of setting these up?
2: Well, a lot of uh, the Singaporeans and even foreigners alike are looking at buying properties in trust for their children. And that usually arises where the parents want to gift real estate to their children who are still minors, right? Because in Singapore, you need to be 21 years and above in order to own property. So it could be due to succession planning reasons why they want to do that, or it could be that parents want to just ensure that their, their children have a roof over their heads, you know, without having to contend with property prices skyrocketing by the, by the time the children turn 21 years. So that's where they want to make an outright gift of a property to their child. And the only way they can do that is to employ the means of a trust arrangement to hold the property as a legal owner while the child is still a minor. So that's basically uh, how uh, you know, acquisition of property
0: in trust takes place. Mm. Are there challenges setting these up or are they pretty straightforward?
2: Well, definitely the, the
0: key thing would
2: be um, cash outlay. Right, So in a trust arrangement, bank financing is unlikely to be possible. So parents who wish to buy properties in trust for their, their children mm-hmm. will have to finance it entirely in cash. So committing to the cash outlay is usually a major consideration. Now, assuming that is not a consideration and they are able to do that, then the other uh, challenge that parents often face is lack of control. On how the child eventually manages the property, because when the child turns 21, the property is transferred to the child, who then becomes the legal and beneficial owner. So they they own the property, and sometimes parents have concern: how would their children, you know, manage these properties that they have taken over? So these are the things that are usually on the minds of parents who wish to uh, set up a trust to acquire real estate for the children.
0: Really interesting. All right, Dora, let's uh, come back to you. Dora Chung is general manager for the residential segment over at Guokolan. Uh, Before, you know, you think of passing on your property nest egg to your younger ones, you want to think of building it up. So help us understand how property sale prices have held during COVID, Mm -hmm. particularly the high-end property sale prices. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh,
1: in the last quarter, according to URA's Q3 2020 numbers, um, prices uh, actually in the core central region uh, for non-landed properties uh, actually rose Uh, 2.7%. These are actually bought majority by Singaporeans. Uh, who are quick to recognise now that, uh, you know, it is actually um, possible to ride on the wave of the market recovery.
0: Okay. And are we seeing the same amount of foreign buyer interest prior to COVID-19 in Singapore, which is usually seen as a safe destination?
2: Yes. Actually, we still see healthy
1: interest from foreigners. Um, Agents and ourselves are also doing still doing uh, virtual property viewings Mm -hmm. for these foreigners. Mm -hmm. Uh, There has been also um, buying uh, just uh, entirely through the virtual property viewings um, by Mm -hmm. foreigners. However, there may be also others who are uh, waiting for the travel bans to be lifted before they can visit um, and view the properties that they are considering before purchasing.
0: When we talk about luxury property in Singapore and given so much uncertainty in the economy, is it still a good hedge, luxury property? uh, Is that still a good hedge for wealth preservation? Actually, properties
1: will always be an effective hedge in the mid to long term period in my view. Uh, Singapore's appeal actually uh, as a business launch pad means that the Singapore dollars is actually very well in demand. Uh, looking at our history of our currency, we actually anticipate our buyers' assets uh, to appreciate in the long term. So luxury properties have an edge, actually, as they are, they are usually bought by high net worth individuals who will usually not overreact or panic sell during a market downturn. From our experience, um, we want our buyers to actually love uh uh their new homes and as a result they are better kept for and prices are better maintained.
0: All right. Well, great talking to both of you. She's Dora Chung, General Manager at Guokolan for the residential segment. You heard earlier Jacinta Pillay, Partner at Sim Mong Tech and Partners. Ladies, thank you very much. We've been talking this morning about protecting your wealth through real estate planning. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.